0: I was uh, put into a managerial role uh, very early, yes. And uh, initially, I um, when you know I got my LSI back, which is like the leadership score, uh, and um, my team uh, came back. Uh, with actually um, that I'm more like a dictator than a manager, yeah? Because I was very outcome-oriented orient- and it could be a combination of my uh, an, an accent and my, my very outcome-driven approach, yeah? And no one could slack under my management. And um, and I, I was actually horrified uh, when I first got the feedback from my
1: team Helping CEOs and business leaders discover the energy to perform exceptional brilliance and positively impact the lives of those around them. Be inspired by world leaders and next-level gurus. This is the Active CEO Podcast, where the ordinary don't belong. And now your hosts, Craig Johns and Ben Gathercole.
2: On this episode of the Active CEO podcast, we speak with an inspirational leader who thrives on collaboration, going the extra mile and is known to deliver beyond expectations. She is passionate, committed and easy to work with as she excels in managing and leading complex projects. Growing up in Czechoslovakia, she completed a master's degree in engineering at the Czech Technical University in Prague. She continued her education in Australia with an MBA graduate diploma in economics, law and finance from Deakin University. Her career took a leap forward as she took on a senior consultant role at Logica, where she delivered energy and utilities projects in Europe, US and Australia. In 2001, she commenced nine successful years at Vodafone Australia, working her way up to head of marketing planning. During this time, she has delivered major products, uh, projects and programs with global companies such as Apple, Google, and HTC. Her expertise in integrated business plans, cross-segment product roadmaps, and designing strategic processes has led to receiving Vodafone Hero and Most Prestigious Employee Excellence Awards. Over the past 10 years, she has worked for Belligence with the last four years at the helm as CEO. Religions is an international consultancy delivering innovative business intelligence solutions. I'm excited to introduce you to a highly respected CEO who loves to compete in triathlon, snowboarding, and cross-country skiing in her spare time, Jana Capra. Jana, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you, Craig, for such a lovely introduction and um, looking forward to your questions.
2: Oh, congratulations on such a wonderful career so far. So, so tell me, how did it all start out? You know, where did you grow up and what did you dream of as a child?
0: Uh, I grew up in a little town called Lone, uh close to... Um, uh, from very early on, uh, my dad uh, had really encourage my sister and I to be very active in sport Um, uh, I started doing athletics check and feel as seven years old and very quickly have found love in running Uh, but meanwhile I was also very um, big student um, and during my early early life, I basically just split my time between school and sport. Some, sometimes, I guess, a little bit scary because I was a very driven individual. Uh, so I, I spent my, as I said, lovely time growing up in, um, in, um, in a town which supported sport. We had a great uh, athletics club um, I have learned how to cycle cycle, uh, early on as well. Um, I probably wasn't into swimming at the time because in Czech Republic, we didn't have uh, very good indoor pools. Um, So I probably got to go swimming maybe once a month. Uh, But um, that was something I had to pick up when I'm in Australia later on um, in my life.
1: Yeah,
2: so, you know, that part of the world, so near Prague is, is a... Bound for in history, um, obviously part of the Bohemian sort of era, and you know there's a lot of beautiful castles and museums and places to visit. So it must be you know a, a wonderful place to grow up in.
0: Um, absolutely, um, if you look at the history, history um, and some of you have uh, probably visited Prague, uh, uh, it's a it's an absolutely uh, beautiful. Um, Beautiful city, or even the the whole Czech Republic. Uh, and um, I actually, uh, part of my current job being a CEO of Billigent, I am so lucky that I can travel um, to those destinations uh, quite frequent, frequently during the year. And um, and it's a it's absolutely my soft spots to go and get my culture injection. Even I love living in Australia. Uh, And I really enjoy, uh, you know, the lifestyle which I have here. Um, I go back to Europe and specifically to Prague um, um, to actually enjoy that culture side. So I would basically be in in Europe probably about three times a year, um, sometimes four times, visiting our offices in Prague, Frankfurt and London. And, and, of course, all the sneaking and going for a uh, gallery visit or um, or theatre or um, yeah, visiting one of the chateaus the or castles, yeah? So I, I love that. And um, I love that. I guess that's kind of jumping into my current career um, opportunities and roles, yeah?
2: Oh, very jealous. Uh, you get to live the, you know, the best of both worlds. Uh, very, very lucky. Um, so, you, so you seem like a very process-driven person who loves project so what inspired you to study engineering at university and how important has that been to the way you approach work now
0: um probably it started is my dad i'm from an engineering family my dad um, is an electrical engineer and my mom is a chemical engineer and uh, as i said i was uh, quite uh, quite a focused student as well i, uh, I, I basically finished my hsd with uh, with all A's, yeah, and everyone was wondering that whether I go to medicine or law because I had the grades uh, to be able to go to those universities, you know, and those type of... But I have really enjoyed maths and physics and um, and I chose a civil engineering water management and actually simulation yes. models, yeah. Uh, so I was able to um, apply basically engineering into the... Uh, uh, geographical in- information systems, map water networks, you know, simulate whether uh, whether basically a certain volume of water can make it through these pipes um, and do a computer-based models. And, and I really, really love that. Um, and also we were able to do uh, um, simulation models of flood management, you know, whether Certain dams, how they are built, what strengths they have to have, and uh, and the university I attended, Czech Technical University, had a, a brilliant program exchange program with uh, some other major European universities like Delft uh, in Netherlands, and I also was able to go between my masters, uh, my bachelor's, and uh, between my bachelor's and masters for a year to America. And study at the uh, University of um, California Irvine and also work at the same time for a quite uh, advanced um, uh, company called uh, Irvine Range Water District and as well I actually had a um, even choosing choosing engineering um, I had a absolutely brilliant time doing some leading edge um, stuff to um, you know Know, to uh, contribute to a bigger picture of, like whether finding, you know, uh, whether this big rain uh, hydrological cycle, uh, how that will impact um, impact flooding in Europe, or um, you know, uh, designing uh, portable and non-portable uh, pipeline systems and using. Uh, latest um, computer-based technology to be able to simulate it. So I I have to say, if I look back, I would never choose anything else, even I slightly uh, now do something else. And when you link it to, uh, I really love exploring technology and applying the technology uh, in a project uh, world to solve the problem and um and that's how i basically ch- jumped afterwards through my career to a different industries whether you know applying the principles from the water which i studied and from civil engineering into the energy and utilities industry or whether you know applying it to the telecommunication industry or you know even nowadays um diligence is all about data and really predicting out of data what may happen and really giving some insights um, to the c- uh, clients and companies we work for. So that's basically, it's the love of math and um, love of physics, yeah, which drove me to uh, engineering.
2: Excellent. So, So that systems approach, that technical side of things, did that help lead into your first major role with Logica?
0: Yes, Logica actually at that time uh, was. Uh, I knew that I uh, Czech Republic was basically too small for me, yeah, and I wanted to travel. So I, uh, Logica offered uh, me a role as a, a as a graduate to um, to really go already to work for them in England. And um, some of the first projects uh, were Anglian Water, you know, the geographical information system deployment, followed by. Some of the energy and utilities customers they have, and Logica basically allowed me to uh, learn very quickly different things and um, and expose me to different roles. And because I was really um, quick to learn, and uh, I had a uh, really nice um, success with Logica, moving um, first of course, first starting in Czech Republic, but moving to England, working with them. in, Netherlands, and eventually, basically, ending up in Sydney.
2: Oh, wow. So, being involved in so many sort of international projects or must give you a very good insight into other cultures and the way people work so early in your career.
0: Yeah, I think that probably shaped my leadership style around understanding. And really uh, understanding everyone's strengths, and uh, and, and from early on, I knew that um, I want to kind of grow to the next roles. And um, Logica was very instrumental in giving me opportunity to I guess, actually to start at the ground level, but work work my way up to the I guess project management and more leadership roles. And uh, because I got exposed to different, um, as you say, cultures, I could very quickly also learn to, um, to I guess, how to motivate different individuals, how to actually, you know, make sure that as a team, uh, we can gel together to deliver to the problem, you know, a task. And, um, and I think I'm very, um, very passionate about creating um, high-performing cultures and really Uh, making sure that each individual strives to deliver, but of course, very results oriented, uh, very results oriented culture.
2: So what type of leadership style and environment was it like to work in at Logica? And then how would you compare that to your sort of your nine or 10 years at Vodafone in Australia?
0: Um, Logica was uh, a consultancy where we had different type of projects, and but it was very, um, very good environment uh, from some of my really still good friends, you know, um, which I still catch up with come from Logica. It uh, was lots of smart people working together and learning from each other, but of course driving to succeed. Uh, and deliver the projects uh, which we had to deliver for the for the clients uh, when i decided to to move uh, to vodafone it was predominantly to try the other side and be more on a customer which initially was my would be my customer because of course i would i would work for a different clients while in logica but i wanted to really try it on the other side and i was lucky enough at quite early age that they have promoted me straight away to a, to a managerial line management role. And, uh, and probably initially at Vodafone, it was a little bit rigid structure. But later on, we have been uh, very fortunate to have some of the visionary leaders uh, at the helm of Vodafone like Rahama, who uh, you could compare to someone like Richard Branson. That's when Vodafone really was thriving in Australia and they had a very healthy c- culture and um and Graham Ma, um the CEO of uh, former CEO of Vodafone became my mentor. And um at Vodafone um I was supported to move from uh, I guess line management, IT uh related role to actually business roles, yeah? So I very uh quite quickly from um um from a more project oriented role, uh, moved to the line management role and afterwards uh, eventually ended up on a marketing side where um, CMO, our chief marketing officer, really trusted me with some of the uh, major deployments of, uh, I guess, end-to-end deployments of, um, like I was behind the first uh, iPhones, launch introduced to the australian marketplace and of course some of the google phones afterwards followed and it was a, such a um, really rewarding experience and and i would say that at, at vodafone the culture that uh, at the time was um such a healthy culture we called it uh, was red rock solid restless yeah and uh, and because the the ceo was very visionary and he actually became afterwards my as i said uh, previously, mentor, but really an advisor, because uh, that CEO moved uh, between different Vodafone companies. Uh, his first was the CEO at New Zealand. Afterwards, he moved to Australia, and he ended up in Sweden, Czech Republic, and Qatar. And we continued, uh, we continued meeting after basically he exited uh, Vodafone, and and he had the same dream to basically live in Australia eight months and maybe four months or six months of the year to be in Europe yeah (laughs) Uh, I guess um, same as me and uh, and um, afterwards uh, I stay a little longer in Vodafone but uh, and as I said it was really Uh, fantastic uh, years of my uh, professional career Uh, I managed to juggle having uh, my son Martin at the time and uh, and I really enjoyed it and I think I really uh, was supported Um, and I guess I worked extremely hard you know to get where I was Um, the probably the major decision point uh, for me was uh, when Major happened between uh, Hutchison and Vodafone, and at that time of the um uh, the, the general manager roles were basically distributed equally between uh, um, between Hutchison management and Vodafone management because it was fifty-fifty major. And uh, I had to make a, a massive decision, you know, because I was very, very happy after nine years at Vodafone and you know, um, with the support and rewards I was getting, etc. And I was really working closely with the um, executive management there. And um, I had to make a call. I didn't get the general manager role, which uh, I believe uh, I you know I, I, I was basically destined to get uh, because of it, it was allocated to the Hatch management not to the former Vodafone management and uh, and at the time um, I just decided to exit basically Vodafone and it was probably one of the, the best decisions if I look ten years back now which I made uh, from the from the carrying perspective and um, that's basically how diligence started Wow. and um and um yeah, so I, um I don't know whether I should go into the details how we actually started with uh, uh, Billence, but um yeah, I'm one of the owners uh, of diligence and um and basically that's um if I look back ten, 10 years, you know, um it has been a really um, uh, fruitful, hard, but amazing journey.
2: Okay, we'll touch a bit more on uh later on in the in the podcast episode. So I think let's just delve back a little bit here. And you took out your management role at Vodafone in two thousand and one. Did, did you find management a natural fit, or was it something that you that, that put you out of your comfort zone at the beginning, and you had to grow into?
0: Uh, definitely at the start, and it was it's a it's a very interesting question because um, I was uh, put into a managerial role. Uh, Uh, very early yes and uh, initially I um, when you know I got my LSI back which is like the leadership school uh, and um, my team uh, came back with actually, um, that I'm more like a dictator than a manager, yeah, because I was very outcome orient- oriented, and it could be combination of my uh, an, an accent and my, my very outcome driven approach, yeah, and no one could slack under my management, and uh, and I, I was actually horrified uh, when I first got the feedback from my team, and um, and um, I had to actually work. Uh, very hard on uh delivery of uh still be outcome um uh outcome driven and don't change how i am but uh be more affiliative in the way how i work with uh, my team yeah because it was slightly different in logica everyone was basically very outcome driven so we were more like-minded um individuals but when I joined and had to manage suddenly a team of uh, business analysts and, you know, some technical specialists um, at Vodafone. Um, it was different, and I had to adjust my leadership style to it, yeah? Um, so it was, a, uh, and I even remember how, um, you know, when you are young and you are under 30, and I remember dressing up like in suits and tying my head head back, you know, to <laughs> to try to look a uh, look, look bit, uh, you know, uh, managerial. And uh, of course, um, that was not the right thing to do, yeah. Uh, and um, but I adjusted very quickly and um, and and I think um, uh, I still have very good relationship with with all the people who I managed uh, along the way of the journey at Vodafone. And I really got on from a quite small team management to a much larger team's management at the end, yeah.
2: So a couple of good you know really good learning lessons there, obviously one, the importance of reflecting, on feedback really early and been able to adapt. And then obviously the the second one I think that's, you know, really important as well is that you need to be yourself and, you know, it's not like, oh, there's the perception of what a manager or leader needs to look like. It's like, no, just be yourself. And when you're yourself, you can, that's when you deliver the best leadership and the best management.
0: Yeah, I am a big believer in the outcome authenticity in leadership and everyone um i think um your leadership style all of us is influenced by of course the others around you but it's up to you to take in what you think suits your leadership style but always make it your own uh because that's what differentiates you from the others and that's when you make the, the most impact
2: and so did Vodafone really allow you to develop your own management style or did they try and obviously mold you around the established ways of leading within Vodafone?
0: Um, they had a uh, leadership in action uh, program which of course all the managers went on and uh, some of them, uh, some of the courses, it was actually really great program. It was a joint leadership program between um, Vodafone New Zealand and Vodafone Australia at that time and uh, um, it was challenging in a certain bit, but it also helped me. And um, there were some even acting classes, which we were uh, like supposed to go through. And uh, uh, But I think um, I actually was able to um, to take on things which I believe will help me uh, and just, you know, pass through things which um, I think wouldn't work for me yet. Yeah? And I wasn't forced to... Um, to adopt to a certain thing, and I probably, um, um, I don't, I guess I believe that um, the action always speaks for themselves, uh, you know, the stuff which you deliver, and um, and if you stay uh, and you are business etiquette uh, focused, uh, you actually win at the end, uh, and um, so that's kind of my, my mantra for how. Um, how I do anything, yeah, and um, and people from that perspective afterwards um, believe me, and um, they they go you know behind that because they know that uh, all of us stand behind what uh, what I said or what I presented, and um, and if I made mistake, I will acknowledge that, and I think that's a big thing, and um, and that's you know that's my leadership style, and that's how why people want to work for me.
2: That's great. And I love that authentic, you know, approach to it. So when we, you talked about the, the merger between Hutchins, Hutchinson and, and Vodafone. So obviously during that time, that's a real challenge for people inside both organizations. You've got two different culture sets, um, obviously generally an aligned vision, but the cultures are quite unique. You know, you talked about, you know, it wasn't quite the right fit for you and you moved out. So what were some of the big challenges that you faced? Um, You don't have to give specifics here, but you know, sort of general aspects of during that merger. What were the biggest challenges for you and and for both teams?
0: Um, I think there were two different, um, two two different, totally different cultures being merged together, and also. A different business objectives of both teams Because uh, when you looked at the the business model uh, Hutchison was based on was more for low-end um, cheaper type of uh, plans and attracting that uh, level of customer base while Vodafone was more on a SME that medium uh, more on a business side and they were very successful in that space uh, um, and um, and, of course, uh, Hutchison was much smaller organization with less customers. Uh, uh, and that also reflected on the levels of the management, uh, where um, there was probably more experience on a Vodafone site in a managerial level because, of course, larger organization. And um, suddenly, because it was a fifty-fifty 50 merger, uh, some of uh, the... General managers on the Hutchison side were promoted to the roles, um, and some in a very even higher position than GM roles, uh, which they actually don't didn't have experience with, and um, and I think that was probably the biggest challenge to melt to match those two different cultures, different um, experience, uh, and of course um, also probably the biggest mistake which was made was uh, to match the brand and try to basically now be everything. Uh, um, Additionally, uh, the culture on the Hutchison side was very um, cost-driven, while on Vodafone's side was more like, okay, value for money. Uh, However, uh, the cost-driven culture after this cost some of the issues on the network side, which, of course, as you know, have resulted uh, later on with some um, difficulties. Uh, what I found really was after number two, uh, couldn't really get to number two because um, the difficulties through the merger and also the, some of the uh, technical aspects, um, not investing enough into a certain um, major projects around network side caused some major uh, major uh, I guess outages which of course impacted the uh, impacted the whole customer base and um, they were, they lost customers uh, um, you know after the merger. so it took uh, it took what I found very very long time to to recover and still recovering till this point even they had um, some better management to come in uh, uh, more I guess focus on the um, culture and improving the culture but you can see that um, any change and any merger cannot ever be taken lightly and it needs to be carefully planned and the people who are put in charge of these uh, acquisitions and mergers need to be very experienced um, um, I guess leaders Uh, but nevertheless um, uh, it it was a interesting um interesting um i guess experience to uh, um to witness and to observe because uh later on we became a vendor to um to vodafone and so i was sitting still on for quite a long time on the i guess other side um and um and it it some in some cases almost broke my heart yeah and from the personal um, personal level, um, I had a, such a uh, fantastic time during my nine years at Vodafone. And I am grateful to Vodafone for actually helping me to shape my leadership style. And um, I'm grateful for uh, really um, meeting um, their two former CEO- CEOs, which both were my mentors, uh, Grandma. And afterwards, um, they had... Um, uh, Russell Hewitt, uh, who was also it um, was a successor to Grandma, another amazing person who actually didn't get a job after the merger because um, that was fifty-fifty split between um, you know um, the Vodafone and Hutchison, so he he he, he retired after that, and I think that was a big mistake. Yeah? But uh, that basically you know uh, I guess in summary my uh, my experience from that merger
2: and then so obviously from there then you transitioned into um, establishing your own company and you know obviously that led to being CEO long-term so can you kind of share a little bit more with our listeners the purpose of Belligence and what allows it to stand out from the crowd? Um,
0: Belligence is a a business intelligence company, and the key uh, focus of Billigen, of diligence is really delivering the insights information to the fingerprints of those end users. Uh, um, we why we stand out of the crowd is uh, we have a great people who can very quickly discover the pathways how to get the the data to those end users, and through that process, we are able to really. Help to improve the profitability of our clients, improved uh, on number of KPIs uh, they need to deliver, and um, and that's basically the biggest, uh, the biggest, uh, the biggest value add, and why we stand uh, out of the crowd using the latest technologies to do that, and using the really smart people uh, to be able to deliver uh, to those uh, to those outcomes or to those KPIs um, of our customers.
2: It must be very satisfying when you see your clients, um, you know, excel and start to achieve their KPIs. You're very different to just focusing internally on achieving outcomes within side a business.
0: Absolutely, and um, and my biggest satisfaction is is um, that when customer actually uh, stays with us for very long period of time because they always come. To us for advice, for innovation, for ideas, and and really to engage our consultants to help them, to complement them, to take them on a journey, to to get them to that uh, data and that information they need uh, in a very agile manner, and and that ongoing um, support we get with from some of the leaders in the industry in Australia and, and overseas. Um, that's what really uh, is that satisfaction because it's both ways it's partnership uh, between us delivering you know um uh, that technological advancements and um really high quality people but on the other side we learn about the the problems the you know even those people we work with we learn from them because they are leaders in their spaces and that's i guess the the best uh you know, um, synergy, which I can achieve this, right? Both ways learning and support.
2: So you started off, you, you're the founder, you're working more on the operational side of diligence, and then you become CEO, did that change your approach to the business or change the way you saw it when you became CEO? Um, I
0: guess. I should probably give a little bit of background uh, I'm very very lucky uh, I've, I guess I found my partner my husband and we are very complimentary. yeah so he actually to be totally fair he had the idea of establishing diligence yeah but he probably wasn't very operationally um, strong to uh, I guess um, set up here the ideas, he's, he's our, I guess, technological uh, strategist and an expert. He understands all the latest technologies, uh, but I always had that um, operational side uh, in me and i always could deliver projects you know get right people for the projects um, and make it happen yeah uh, so i uh, i always had that as a skill what i didn't know i have as well is that i'm able to sell things yeah and um that basically by um by i guess um you know being able to um understand the vision of the customer being able to understand how possibly we can um, deliver to that vision of the customer Um, that's kind of my um, sales technique and um, and in the past I probably when I worked for those large companies like Vodafone I was probably able to sell that to the uh, you know the CEO and CTO and um, the the higher management Uh, so I I guess it was a natural progression from being a small company and having more like a couple clients to um, uh, step up and build um, a team under me who could actually deliver at scale um, and and expand, you know, having a head of sales, having, um, you know, practice leads uh, for delivery and, and, and really almost replicating uh, in some ways what I did at Vodafone, uh, but uh, you know, on the other side, um, uh, you know, for within the religions. Yeah. So I, I would say that I never ever planned that uh, religions will end up the size it is and international it is. I probably had the dream that I want to have a, you know, development office in Prague eventually. And, and it happens uh, almost uh, organically that uh, it just, you know, uh, we were successful, and I was able to attract the customers and clients, and we were able, as we grown from year to year, to expand on the support team. Uh, and um, I probably, I guess, uh, being a CEO of uh, of a company, um, I love my job, I really love what I'm doing. Uh, the challenges you always have is uh, how, uh, you know, it's a responsibility, how you manage your stress levels, how you manage your, your mental health, how you fit everything in. I do travel quite a lot, um, and of course, um, I've got a family, and um, and how you actually juggle everything, yeah. Uh, that's probably the the biggest challenge uh but i would never change anything on what i do and i always believe that everyone is in in charge of their own destiny uh so it's up to you how you actually organize your time how you um you know make yourself uh happy and healthy and and, uh, and how you make uh, i guess your team and and people around you happy and um and enjoying what they are doing because afterwards of course if they are happy and um and they enjoy what they are doing you know they deliver for you yeah uh so this always been been scenario
2: yeah definitely so you know so for you what are your habits and routines that ensure that you know you stay fit and healthy and you're able to manage that travel and and the aspects of family and having a a globally diverse team um
0: the most important thing for me is, is basically to do, do uh, my sport and that's triathlon, yeah. Uh, I uh, really have to exercise to keep myself healthy and I, 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 would, uh, I would openly say that I wouldn't be able to do my job without uh, being uh, active. Uh, and doing sport um and why basically i got into doing a uh, triathlon and i really started doing triathlon when i moved to australia first time and i learned how to swim properly uh, i uh, uh, it really helps me you know that i can go for a run i do you know i got a training plan i always pick one major event um a year which i'm training for and um i, I really uh stick to it. I like my regime. Uh, so I block times in my diary uh, when um, I go training. Of course, sometimes it doesn't really work out that way because there is some international call at night or in the morning or there's some major negotiation which is happening. Um, so I, it, it's never 100%. Yeah. Uh, however, um, I... I really majority of um, time, I really make the time and and I'm yeah, I really enjoy it. and around the family, uh, I, I we are lucky because we all love the same sport, yeah, or we kind of I guess brainwashed um, our son into uh, <laughs> loving this sport, I would say. Um, so we all do it as a family and um, and that also helps, yeah. Which means that that family time can be spent, uh, you know, doing exercise or you know, doing going for a ride or going for a run. Even I guess you know, as the as as I was, I was, son is growing, of course, um, he's overtaking us, and he waits for um, for for his mom and dad, and um, but um, I really um, enjoy it, and um, later like. Um, Two years ago, I even um, decided because um, I like uh, everyone to be active around me too, and I think it's important. So, uh, Billigens actually um, sponsors uh, um, kids' programs, uh, um, kids' programs like uh, Go Series here in Sydney, uh, which is a little um, like a racing in. Um, for uh, kids um, ages basically 10 and below. Um, I also um, did my um, triathlon development uh, um, course certification so that we have like a little program which one of our, one of my uh, friends uh, is running and he asked me to join in. So every Wednesday, which I can't make every Wednesday but uh, because of course I'm traveling quite a bit uh, we coach little kids, but what I did now is that we shared that with my son who also comes in when I can't make it. That's why the kids know that it's either Jana or Martin is in and, and provided the coaching. Wonderful. Uh, and um, so, yeah, I, I kind of work around it like that. And But I have to say uh, I just love triathlon and uh, and I guess I learned quite a bit about it. I'm very interested in uh everything improvement around um, triathlon as well as getting more kids into triathlon and being active.
2: So talking about, you know, obviously your family and then also the community, what sort of strategies do you put in place to help improve the physical and mental health and well-being of your staff at Belligions?
0: Um We basically con- um, spon- uh, we co- we sponsor everyone or kind of lead by example to uh to do um, park runs, uh, uh, we uh, we even um, I would say that probably um, it varies around the globe. Like for example, our Prague team is extremely active. Yeah, so I, they uh, they even upload all their Strava data, you know, into this tableau chart, and uh, and they measure each other how many how much cycling and how much uh, running and how much uh, swimming they did, and uh, my Strava data now goes into it too so I they know when I'm actually leading up to an event because the other day one of my consultants in Prague was telling me, oh, you are training now. I've so, I seen some long rides, yeah? And <laughs> uh, and they also kind of analyze when when people go um, when people go somewhere like on an assignment because we work globally, for example, for Vodafone. And if you go to Ghana, there's not much running you can do in Ghana, yeah? When you are there on assignment, yeah? Uh, it's why we saw like, you know, how running deteriorates, you know, if consultants if consultant is posted to a location like that but um so i guess lead by example we uh, participate in corporate triathlons um uh, we um we sponsor uh we have an interesting um event which we organized which is called uh, orbit of prague and we fundraise money for families with the disadvantaged kids so uh, for example uh, the money could go um which is fundraised, uh, we buy them a car, which is, uh, you know, made for the kid with a disab- disability or things like that. And it's a ride, you know, which is about 30K and also 60K. We organize it once a year and all the people from the team are participating here in, uh, um, in Sydney. Um, I mentioned that we sponsor the Go series. That's why we pay for the medals of the kids. Um, all our staff, their families come to that too. Uh, so we just do things uh, like that. Uh, so I, yeah, and um, and especially with our youngsters, young consultants, uh, we try to encourage them to 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 do the sport. Yeah, and um, yeah. So that's basically. Um,
2: in a nutshell um. some great great projects there and you know wonderful to give back to the community and help people that maybe a little bit less dis- uh, less advantaged or disadvantaged. sorry so we all know smart people have great answers but the best people have great questions so when was the last time you did something for the first time
0: Ah if I did something for first time, uh, mm, that's a very difficult question. Uh, first time. Yes, okay. Uh, okay, I have a um, very um, interesting one. Um, before Christmas, I went on my first girls' trip ever to Bhutan and it was a a camping hiking trip to 5000 meters and um, it was one of the best uh, holidays i had in ages Um, i am very um, i guess um, i've got female friends uh, but of course i'm i'm operating in very male dominated environment and we do have Uh, And I encourage uh, girls in our team, etc. But I never went on a just female trip, and it was brilliant. It was a couple friends we got together, organized this uh, unbelievable trip to the happiest place, uh, you know, in the world, uh, Bhutan, which measure their um, happiness by Gross National Index uh, rather than GDP. And I had a brilliant time.
2: Excellent oh sounds exciting it's one country or one place I haven't been to yet. So what is the one question that you would love to solve uh,
0: the one question I would want to solve um, I guess uh, how I could uh, how I could work less uh, because I am workaholic by nature yeah <laughs> and uh, I've been born with um, a lot of energy Um, and that's probably why I can, you know, uh, do the job I do as well as juggle, you know, family, uh, family and um, I'm still learning uh, how to work less, yeah, and how to um, sometimes, uh, uh, I guess, even relax more. I have improved enormously. Uh, I, if I look back, um, I guess 10, 15 years ago to my Vodafone times, I worked even harder and I guess it uh, helped me to get where I am from the career perspective, but uh, I do work hard uh, and um, and what um, what I, um, yeah, it's never, um, never ever, uh, I guess, journey for me how, you know, to yeah, just work less, uh, enjoy everything a little bit more. Like I'm overall happy person, there's no question about it. But yeah, I think there's never ending journey for me in, from that perspective.
2: I don't think you're alone in that question, so it's a very good one to try and solve. Who has left the greatest impression and had the most impact on your career and why?
0: Definitely Graham and uh probably my yeah that's why there's two people uh so I, grandma uh, I start with the i guess more uh work related one um grandma um as a ceo um has been the most inspirational person in making things happen and really being there for every single employee of Vodafone or the teams he has been leading he Made such a um, impact on anyone you would speak to, uh, from the leadership perspective, from the support, uh, the way how I got to know him. Uh, he actually showed up next to me at this breast cancer run, and it was supposed to be female run, and his wife put shirt on, so sort a of skirt on him, yeah, and he was a good runner, yeah. And uh, and he basically here next to me those ten guys he was a little bit worse than me yeah I'm a quite good runner yeah but it was we had so much fun during that uh, run and he just approached the life with um, just put so much energy in everything what he was doing and unfortunately um, uh, he 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 passed away and probably too early for he could have given a lot more to charities and he was probably quite full on all the time and um, unfortunately um, yeah he he had a uh, um, I think it was a heart attack or something like that but uh, but he lived very healthily it's not that but uh, he was probably the most inspirational and uh, and leader which I you know had a such a pleasure to uh, work with and he became later my mentor uh, and my dad uh, my dad, um, I've got a sister, and uh, and basically he never, ever, he always was there. He encouraged us to do all the different sports, you know. He was always with us. He always, I remember when I didn't want to go skiing when I was three years old or whatever, he always in- encouraged us. And now, of course, I can ski, I can snowboard, I can, you know. Uh, and there was my dad who was there encouraging me and really, you know, being there sports-wise. And really, I think never solving anything for me, but uh, giving me that confidence that I can do it and I can do it all. Yeah. And uh, I can ride the bicycle, you know, he, he put me on a um, mail bike early on. Yeah. Uh, so I, And I think that really helped me to, to go after anything I wanted. Yeah. And, and he gave me that confidence. And I think that's, that's what I'm really grateful to him for.
2: Wow, well, yeah, some, some two people that have had a, a major influx, influence on your life and you can you can see that in the passion that you have and uh, in the way you talk about the roles you've done and, and the way you lead, so um, well done. How can people learn more about what you do and if they'd like to connect with you, what is the best way to do that?
0: Uh, the best way, of course, um, I am very, um, you know, you know on LinkedIn. LinkedIn or uh, via website, uh, um, there are contact details, happy, happy to connect. Um, um, I also love to uh, do mentorship for people, I really support females in leadership roles. Late, like Lately, I started organizing some female leadership lunches, uh, you know, really get into that next level to those C3 roles uh, and sharing experiences, so I'm happy uh, to uh, help in that space. Uh, so I. Billy Jen's, um, Billy Jen's website and of course LinkedIn, Happy, to, I'm very uh, responsive in on a s- social media, so I'm happy to connect and happy to um, talk about anything and help.
2: So Jana, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. Uh, you can really feel the passion in your voice uh, about the work that you do and the people that you influence as a leader. And, and also the people that you get to work with and, and help solve problems with your clients. I um, really, really enjoyed um, sort of getting to understand you from that from when you loved your engineering and taking that sort of problem solving approach and the math and the physics and applying that into the technology, um, you know, the electricity and the utilities type environment and then into obviously telecommunications with Vodafone and, and now with the work that you do at Belligence. Um, I, can, I can just see your team now, they'll all be smiling, but at the same time working very, very hard to ensure that they deliver those projects on on time. Um, so it's been, it's been wonderful to get to know you, understand your leadership style a little bit more, and what a wonderful journey you've had so far, and we look forward to seeing how you progress in the future.
0: Um, thank you so much, Greg, for the opportunity and it has been an um, absolute pleasure talking to you. And um, thank you. Appreciate it.
2: You're welcome. Today's Active CEO Wellness Tip is about prioritizing. And we're really talking about the investment in your time, in your career, with your physical activity. And it's incredibly important to actually prioritize that so you're the best version of yourself. So when you set your schedule right, you, you've got different meetings throughout the day and you can turn your exercise into a priority meeting. So it's something that you put in your schedule, it's there and it's, it's a non-negotiable. You've got to make sure that you put into that because the more you do it, the better you're going to feel both physically and mentally. It's, and it's just habits that you need to get into also. And I know we've spoken before about um, getting off the bus, maybe a stop or two early and walking a bit more onto work or choosing to use the stairs rather than the elevator. So it's about prioritizing the things that you do and making that choice. Because exercise is even more effective than antidepressants presence, and even ADHD-type medication for enhancing your mood and mental focus. So there's, there's a lot of powerful aspects that come out of prioritizing that meeting so you get out and you make sure you exercise every day. Thoroughly enjoying episode there with Yana Capra, uh, Amazing lady, you know, growing up in... A little town near Prague, being very, very active in sport, an A-grade student, and just loving growing up in that history of Prague. You know, she she excelled straight away, having that opportunity to you know to grow as a manager in Logica, really understand herself, develop leadership styles, um, and I suppose a baptism of fire when she first became a manager, and uh, everyone gave her feedback, and she. She realized quickly that she needed to learn fast and not be a dictator as a manager. Uh, moving into Vodafone, she she had a fantastic opportunity to launch great products like the Apple iPhone and Google phones. And she's just renowned for her project management experience and her ability to get projects done on time and even before time. Some Great insights there talking about the differences between Logica and Vodafone. You know, obviously, Logica was more success-driven and completing projects versus Vodafone, which is more customer service-focused. And you know, she she obviously got a lot of mentors and a lot of you know development out of the people she worked with. And she talks a lot about Graham uh, her former CEO of Vodafone, as being someone who really made a major influence on her life. Now, at this at the helm of her company. She works there and owns it with her husband, is is really starting to thrive. And they've got a growing, international, very diverse organization that's consulting in the business intelligence area. Uh, She talked about some challenges with regards to merger at Vodafone and what worked and what didn't and how big a task it is when you're bringing two different culture sets together And, and, and obviously business objectives as well. Um, she talked about some mistakes along the way, and I think that was really important. And um, you know, you've got to be able to understand and and learn from those things that you you may not do as well as you would like. Uh, she loves to keep fit, and obviously, triathlon is a major part of what keeps her active and and allows her to be really successful as a CEO and leader. Uh, she she keeps it. It real with inside the organisation, and they do a lot around that health and wellness space. And I loved hearing about the Prague Orbit, you know, fundraising money for families of disabled children. And um, you know, she talked about doing something for the first time, and that was going on her first girls' trip to Bhutan before Christmas, and where she was camping and hiking to five thousand meters. And it sounds like she learned a lot during that time. So another, yeah, so a fantastic episode. Um, make sure that you. Um, that you subscribe to the podcast, whether you're on iTunes or you're on Android, whatever platform you're on, so that you get the latest episodes straight into into your phone into your app, and so you can listen to it straight away, and you don't miss any of these great episodes that we're having. we Would also love you to write reviews, um, as as that helps build the profile of the podcast and gets more people around the world interested and involved in it. We're up to around 88 countries listening on the podcast now. So really excited to see where it leads in 2019. That's the active CEO podcast. We the ordinary don't belong.
1: Join the active CEO movement by visiting www.nrgtoperform.com. That's nrg2perform.com. Share this podcast on LinkedIn and be sure to tag in NRG to perform. Leave a review on iTunes. Drop us a line with your feedback and questions and connect with us on the NRG to perform Facebook and Instagram pages. Be sure to check out the next Active CEO podcast where the ordinary don't belong.